Joel, can you think of something? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of something to say. That's why I'm so quiet. Yeah, or, or, or tell me trolls. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something. Tummy troubles. That's right. <laughs> Sunday. That's a lot what, of your experience. That's, that's what we've just been talking about, guys. Won't share it on the actual podcast. It's great to have you along with us. Welcome to Sunday uh, on Soul Revolve Digital. It's um, very fun to have Drew joining us on the panel. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm feeling great because now I don't have any tummy troubles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sunday morning regular. <laughs> regular, regular. Oh. Well, you're very regular, so you don't have dummy that's, troubles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm feeling quite good, actually. <laughs> Tim Billhart, how are you? Children's pastor. Great to have you along. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> I don't even know why we we're talking about tummy troubles. Know, we we were talking about that. Um, it's it's yoga that ad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. remember. You know, if anyone remembers at home, it's like um, it's a yoga ad with the monkey and the crocodile, and the crocodile's like bar, 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 and he's. Car gets crashed. He's like, I'll go back to you, Barry. Please just listen to me, Barry. I'll get back to you, Barry. Go Plus, look it up, YouTube. Look it up, yeah, YouTube. I will put the. Actually, this is always good. We always get Ethan with these. I'll just make random references and then make sure he has to put them in the screen somewhere here. So, Ethan, make sure you do it when you're editing this. Thanks. Um, yeah, guys, how are, you, how are you going this week? What, how's your, what's your week been like? Anything interesting? We were talking actually on Saturday about book clubs. So if there's any books you've been reading recently, you can share those again. Uh, what have I been reading? Um, you've been reading The Four Views of Youth Ministry. I have been reading The Four Views of Youth Ministry, um, looking at uh, The Four Views of Youth Ministry, <laughs> uh, which we've been covering in the last four weeks of Shock Absorber podcast. So I've been uh, digging into that. There's another book I've been reading on digital discipleship, which Ooh. has been interesting. So that's been... Uh, exploring, it was written well before the pandemic, uh, but trying to think about how do we actually grow as Christians um, even through online environments. And so the two authors have both run um, sort of uh, Bible college classes online and trying to think about the ways that they can help grow their students as disciples of Jesus um, through his digital format. Um, and so there's a few things there which are, I think, particularly relevant now to our circumstance. I and mean, it's been helping me think through how do we grow as Christians even at this moment where we can't meet together. Obviously, we'd, we want to be meeting together. That's the optimal. But um, it doesn't mean that uh, discipleship and spiritual formation can't happen uh, while we're in this, this format. So, yeah, it's been intriguing ideas. Has, has there been one thing that's actually, you know, made you um, think again about discipling digitally? Look, I mean, the one encouragement has been that uh, the, the spirit is not bound by our physical proximity mm. um and so it's not like god is waiting for us to gather back together in order to do his work um he is working he can work um and yes um god wants us to meet together there's lots of encouragement to meet together and there's a lot of um good things that happen when we come together as an embodied community um but that that doesn't limit the spirit's work right now to still be actually active and so i was trying to hold those two in in balance. So yes, uh, meeting together physically is, is good and right, um, but also God can still work. Um, and so the, one of the encouragements they use is the fact that, you know, Paul is writing his letters, for example. He's sending um, his encouragement out 
to people that he is not physically embodied with. Mm. Um, and so he's using the best technology he could of his day to encourage those who are far away and he couldn't physically meet with. Um, and so sort of, you know, extending that out, there's actually ways in which, yeah, um, we're really missing as pastors hanging out with you. Um, we're, we're really missing being together. Um, and yet, using the best possible technology we can at the moment to still encourage the saints to still meet together on social media, um, to be listening to podcasts. Um, all of that is still able to do God's work. And so that's been a great encouragement. Yeah, fantastic. It's a really good reminder to remember that the spirit doesn't, you know, it's not limited by, by lockdowns. Mm. <laughs> that's, mm. that's the cool thing. Uh, Drew, uh, anything you want to share about how things are going for you and your family at the moment? Uh, anything interesting or you told me before you're missing the gym? Yeah, missing the gym a lot. So, um, really wanting to get up, get out and do some exercise and get a, uh, get a sweat on. You know, pump those uh, pump those uh, what do you call them? Uh, biceps, 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 that's the word. arms, yeah, yeah. Legs, and the, the weights, yeah, backs. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's kind of been the the main thing that I've been really keen to do is kind of get out and do a bit more exercise. Uh, so other than that, we've been we've been good. Um, it's just hard, kind of, with the the kids. They they're missing yeah. their friends. They're missing that opportunity to get out and about themselves. And I think they have that, uh, what's the word, uh, cabin fever, So, <laughs> uh, which I know everyone is familiar with. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the cat likes it. The cat wants everyone to go away. Um, dog is in heaven at the moment. Um, everyone's around. So uh, other than that, Tina and I have been doing pretty good. We just sort of miss people, I think. Yeah. Uh, we miss those relationships and we miss the fact that um, I think – your incidental sort of conversations that you have at different places are actually really impactful and, mm. and we've sort of missed all that, which is really um, distressing. Um, but we know that everyone else is in the same boat, so we're just trying to keep yeah, on right. keeping on. So yeah. that's sort of been how we are at the moment. So yeah. No, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. You're going to bring us the word later, which yep. I'm um, uh, excited to hear what you've got to say, which is really cool. Um, we are going to move into, let me just check the run sheet, the prayers, and that's going to Hayden. He's going to bring that for us. Good morning everyone. I record this once again, locked down, but here in my backyard I can feel warm spring sunshine warming my shoulders and I feel just a little sense of optimism that we are now and we will be soon entering a new season. Please pray with me now. Great God and Heavenly Father, you have directed us to set aside a day every week to rest and to worship you, to gather together as your people. We'll continue to be faithful, Lord. We will join together via this video service and we will collectively devote our focus on you as we pray and sing and reflect on the scriptures. At present, we must not be in the same room, but we can all still remember your promises to us and acknowledge your greatness. We give thanks that we can still call you Father and that we can always read your word. Dearest Lord, this lockdown is really dragging on now. It's getting really boring. It's been so long since we could share a meal with friends, have a picnic, play sport, wander around the shops or even get a haircut. We long to get out and enjoy all the simple pleasures. To sing in a loud chorus of praise, to 
fill a space with that familiar tune and well-loved refrain. I'll bring on that day, Lord. But even so, we remember to count our blessings. We live in relative comfort. Our country is a place of peace with good support services. And in this age, we've got many means for immediate communication with each other, even from lockdown from inside our homes. Things are much better for us than they could be in another time or another place, and so we give thanks. In our country, and in many parts of the world, there's a great drive now to get everyone vaccinated. And it seems to be an uncomfortable reality that we cannot hope to ever be truly free of the virus. It's changed our world forever, and so we must develop new ways to live that lessen the risks of transmission and ameliorate its effects. And as, to the, as the tide of vaccinated people grow, we pray for unity in our communities. We pray for unity amongst the body of Christ and for unity in our neighbourhoods. Help us all to regard others with the love that Christ showed to all and with the generosity and compassion of the Good Samaritan. We pray for those who can't be vaccinated and for those who are hesitant. We pray for those who are desperate to get back to some sense of normalcy. We pray for our community as individuals are allowed greater freedoms. We pray for the many people who serve the community in their work and good works, for safety, and we afford them our respect and gratitude. We acknowledge those working in health, education and retail, and we uphold to you the students learning from home and their parents, perhaps going back to school in coming weeks or months. We especially include in that the year 12s. All our teachers and students constantly adjusting to changes in how learning happens, changes to assessments and exam timetables. It's easy to give up and lose focus during this constant turmoil. And so we pray for endurance in the face of struggles and confidence and flexibility in the face of change. We continue to feel great concern for regional communities around New South Wales, Dubbo, Orange, Wilcannia, to name a few. And we especially mention our Indigenous brothers and sisters in remote communities. We know that these people are vulnerable to disease and because of distance have limited health resources. And so we pray for relief from the virus and for public support keep our regional communities healthy and robust. We ask you to give wisdom and guidance to our state and federal leaders as we all rethink what are acceptable and sensible behaviours. We ask that the needs of the weak and the softly spoken will get as much, if not more, consideration as the wealthy and influential. We pray that the health advice will be accurate and that the economic and social considerations will be helpfully balanced. And we also lift to you the people of Afghanistan. We ask that 
you would end the bloodshed in that troubled land and bring peace. Protect women, Christians, and other minorities that face oppression and victimization under the current rulers of the country, and give world leaders wisdom to know what to do. Our efforts to date have failed to establish a modern civil society, and so we ask you to show us what to do next. We pray also for our friends Isaac and Eileen Gordon ministering in Bree, for Paul and Erin Strawn too, and for Pastor Hengabe and Benessi in Tari PNG, and not to forget Henry and Roslyn in Moresby. We give, be with them all, give them strength, and bless their ministries, bearing much fruit. We pray all these things in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Uh, right now we have Janine on the line who's going to read the Bible for us. But Janine, I'd love to catch up with you and see uh, what you've been doing and keeping yourself busy during this lockdown with. Uh, you said you've got a, you've been doing a hobby. Uh, yes, Joel. Um, many years ago I started embroidering a tablecloth. Right. And it, it has sat in, the, ta- in a, the cupboard for a long, long time. <laughs> and then I thought of it last week and I thought, oh, this might be an opportunity time to actually get it out and finish it. So I um, got it out and I've been working on it a little bit each day and it's um, about three quarters done. So I think I may be able to actually see it finished during the lockdown. That's fantastic. Well done. So how long ago did you start it? Oh, very long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was a um, when I first started work, that's how long ago it was. I had a long train trip to and from the city and so... Um, being young and wanting to use my time well, I decided I needed to do something on the train. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> being being young, so it was only about two years ago, is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what what is the what will the finished product look like? What's on it? Um, it's uh, flowers, spring flowers. Lovely. Um, yeah. And I'm and I'm guessing if you're only three quarters full, you're like you're over. The, through the hardest part, so you must be pretty excited to finish it now. Oh well, it's, yeah, it's the same uh, pattern in each um, corner and all the way around it. So you know, I've done about three quarters of it now. So oh, that's, that's awesome! It's looking like it's achievable. Yeah, fan- that's fantastic. Well, it's very exciting because it's a, something um, we're going to be talking about in terms of Hebrews twelve is um, discipline. So you're showing a great example of that. But I'll I'll let you uh, turn over to the Bible and um, you can read from Hebrews twelve for us. Okay, great. Thanks. Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 uh, through to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. That's the end of the reading. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks very much to Janine for reading the Bible for us. And uh, I'm joined again on the panel just before we do the sermon by Drew and Tim again. Now, Drew, uh, reading from Hebrews 12, we're going to start talking about fathers and discipline, which is one of the parts of what it's talking about. Uh, I was going to ask you the question, you're both fathers. What are your children teaching you in this time of like difficulty of what we're experiencing right now in terms of lockdown? Do you want to go first, Tim? Yeah, um, what are my kids teaching me? It's a great thing. Uh, I've been really encouraged by the the way um, our two kids have um, handled themselves. Um, I'm learning about their character, their ability to um, be self-disciplined and self-motivated. They're doing their, their home learning really well, uh, which has been awesome. Um, uh, I've been learning uh, how much they they really love and long for relationships yeah. and friendships um and they have had less opportunity actually than even uh ros or i to to be out so ros has one day a week where she's on site at school i've got one day a week where we're here recording so we get to you know one day out of seven where we get to see people who are not our family but our kids haven't really had that opportunity so that's been 10 weeks where really it's just each other um and us as a family and so they've been doing awesomely with that um but i'm also feeling sad for them that they haven't had that great opportunity um they do see friends on zoom uh each day for school uh, they've got a few different video conferences they do and kai does most of his subjects online with all of his friends um so yeah that's so learning those kind of things just a little bit more about them um yeah, learning how best to love and serve them as well, like trying to um, work out what does it mean for me to accommodate myself to them and their particular needs, particularly when there's, um, yeah, both Ros and I are working full-time, they're studying um, all day, so trying to work out how do we manage all of those different bits and pieces so that we care for and look after each other and how do we break well um, in the afternoons, evenings and how do we break well on the weekends have been some of the things that we've 
um, sort of had to learn and this time is kind of bringing out for us. Yeah, I think that's um, a, a story in relation to that, just exactly what you're saying about um, the two of my older kids working together. They got up at 5.30 in this morning and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so early. They're going to be so tired. But then they, like, Leo went to my daughter, Everly, hey, uh, seeing as we got up early, why don't we just get ready and they get dressed and then we can start work early. And I found out that they, they finished their work at 11 o'clock this morning. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so um, that was really cool to see an example of them working together. So I think that's really um, mm. cool. Anything you can share in your family there, Drew? Yeah, yeah. I think um, so it's – for me, I think one of the key things that I've learned is there's quite a lot of resilience in them. Mm. Um, they've actually handled the circumstances really well without, uh, I suppose, complaining or feeling – like they need to raise it all the time. And I think that's something that we can um, learn from them is that sort of that adaptability and that resilience. Kids really do roll with the punches a lot of the time. Um, And I'm proud of them for that because I think it's a a really good skill for them to have for the rest of their life. You know, there's going to be stuff that happens that isn't under their control, but they're going to have to kind of roll with the punches. Um, So I've been really proud of them for that. And I think within that, I I really liked the idea of... um, that you raised about um, their self-discipline team and the fact that they kind of, they are getting up and they're, they're getting mm. motivated and they're mm. doing things um, rather than just sort of sitting and I- ignoring the world, so to speak, and just getting really pudgy. The intrinsic motivation is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm proud of them for that too, which mm. is great. Um, and there's definitely something I need to learn from them <laughs> about that. Uh, so I'm taking that one on board, but... Yeah, it's it's the, uh, definitely their resilience. I've 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 been quite um, quite proud of how they've bounced with the the punches quite a lot. Yeah, that's um, something that kind of um, fits in with what we've been recently talking about on the Shock Absorber Tim. Is that uh, actually in the latest episode that's about to come out? Um, you spoke really well about how we a lot of churches or a lot of uh, uh, other ministries look for children to move up into adults but something that we try and also focus on as well is adults coming back down to where younger people are at that level as a children's pastor do you want to kind of expand on that a little bit more because I, I thought you just nailed it when we were recording the shock absorber earlier <laughs> oh thanks mate um you can go and like and subscribe to the shock absorber podcast yes, please. um but yeah we, we were talking about how um Yes, coming back into the children's world and not just assuming that children and teenagers are just the same as adults but different. Um, they actually are unique. They're, they're unique developmentally. They're unique personality. They're unique uh, sociologically. Like they, They've got different cultures. They've got different things that they value. Um, and we can grow as we go and um, hang out with them. So it's not just about... Um, forming them to be more like us, uh, though there is, of course, always formative work as you as you parent and as you disciple. Um, but we're also learning from them, and that's part of the big idea about the shock absorber is that we're actually allowing young people to shape who we are as disciples of Jesus, who we are as a church, um, because we're letting them. Um, and their experiences speak into our lives as well. And so, I mean, a real practical thing that we do as a church um, in all of our gatherings uh, is Kids Chill. And Kids Chill is a really important ministry. It's one of the heartbeats of what we do um, because it's a Kids Chill that invites all the safe adults from our congregation to be a part of 
the um, kids program in a way that the role is you are a friend of the kid. Uh, and you're just hanging out with them and you're getting to know them and you're learning from them. And there might be different things you do. It's, it's, it's playing games. It's um, helping them find verses in the Bible. It might be praying with them. It might be colouring in. It might be hearing about their life. Um, but that chill idea is really central to um, one of how we're expressing um, our church shock absorber is because we're inviting the parents and the adults and senior saints and everyone to come back into the kids program and to learn from kids and to be with kids and to be friends with kids um, and what we found is that those um, a number of people really value that time um, and it's really formative for the adult as well as for the child can you share that story about um one of the kids teachers being worried that a child shared that one of their friends was pregnant oh yeah this was a story a number of years back now um so it's not my story but it's it's a really lovely one where um one of the the boys um in primary school uh just mentioned in the classroom that a friend of theirs uh was pregnant and the teacher thought that was really weird and odd and so rang up the dad uh and said oh look this these are the conversations that your child's having at school and I'm kind of concerned that the, you know, this 10-year-old, however it was, uh, has a friend who's pregnant. I can't, can't quite work that one out. Um, and the dad was able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the friend, they're in their mid-30s maybe. Um, and, yeah, they're pregnant. And trying to explain to this teacher that a 10-year-old was actually genuinely friends with someone in their mid-30s, mid-to-late-30s um, was – couldn't, the teacher was just struggling to comprehend that. Um, but it was really genuine because that's one of the things that we're trying to do as a church is to form genuine friendships. I would love for all of the infants and primary school kids as they come into a gathering to look around the room and go, oh, there's my friend Drew, there's my friend Joel, there's my friend Jai, um, and just be able to say, oh, there's the person that played handball with me. There's the person who helped me find um, the chapter in Mark that we were reading. There's the person who did Plato with me. Like That's really beautiful for the kids and it's really deeply formative for them as well and that's part of what we're trying to do as a community and one of the things we're really looking forward to to come back into yeah ex- exactly like that's the uh, benefit that we see of an intergenerational community is that uh we're letting the people not just above us form us but the people below us which is mm. really cool um and that's something i think that uh you gave me a little preview earlier um there drew of mm. what uh, you're going to talk about in your um, sermon today which is uh, the importance of community um and uh, i think that's uh, something that we really try and focus on is really important but Having said that, I'd love you to take it away and tell us what you've got for Hebrews 12. Sure, no problem. Thanks, man. Um, well, as I was sort of saying before, one community that I'm definitely missing is the gym community, which is, um, I suppose, uh, a really good source for me of, of escapism, but also just a place where I can go and it's great for my body because I can get a lot of uh, health benefits out of it. It's great for my mind because I'm able to kind of um, take out some of the stresses and anxieties of life. Um, but to see results and to see your health improve from going to the gym, it actually takes a lot of time and effort. And this time and effort, it actually, you need a disciplined approach to actually get the full benefit out of it. So even though there is actually pain involved, the pain produces the results you need and the disciplined approach means you're constantly sort of refining yourself. And when you endure this pain, you gradually over time feel your body become healthier and healthier. So if you're on the treadmill a lot, your heart gets stronger, the blood flows, you know, the endorphins crack, it's great. Um, and just like the, the gym um, is about becoming disciplined with your body and enduring physical suffering to benefit 
Um, Hebrews 12 is a lot like enduring suffering in your life, yet remaining faithful and using these experiences to benefit your spirituality. Um, But what will help us to actually understand Hebrews 12 uh, a bit better is to actually remember Hebrews 11. So what I wanted to do was put Hebrews 12 in context, and and I think that will really help us to understand it. So um, to sort of hark back, Hebrews 11 shows those faithful witnesses who have endured in the past but remained uh, faithful to God. And we see examples such as Noah, who built a, a boat in the desert on God's command, which was quite crazy, um, but w- was sort of vindicated because obviously the, the, the um, waters rose. And then we see the faith of Abraham, who left his land to go to the one that God had commanded him to go. Uh, and then he also walked his son up the mountain to sacrifice him after he and his wife had been childless all their life. So those, those sort of faithful acts. Then we see the faith of Moses, who believed in God uh, and performed many deeds to free his people, and then who also commanded them to sacrifice a lamb at Passover, and they did. And then the, the names of uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel, you know, all these people of incredible faith who lived extraordinary lives. And what Hebrews 11 is written to encourage us to do is endure through our own lives and live with faith too. And then the author moves from, from this into Hebrews 12, and that, and that is explaining why enduring is actually about faith. Uh, and it's trying to teach us that uh, what we actually go through has meaning and purpose to our relationship with God. So Hebrews 11 is about seeing great witnesses who endured and remain faithful, and then Hebrews 12 is about explaining why we need to faithfully endure and give us a framework to do this. And the author realizes that uh, we are all going to suffer and endure suffering in our life, and he wants to give us this framework to understand it. Um, and he wants to do this so that we can use it to our benefit. So as we explore this, I wanted to explore it in three different uh, sections. The first is enduring isn't easy. Uh, Enduring has a purpose, and watching where you put your feet. So life is a very difficult thing. Uh, Our time on earth is a little bit like a roller coaster. Sometimes there's lots of highs, sometimes there's lots of lows, sometimes things go really fast, sometimes they're a bit average, oftentimes they're weird. Um, and as we live through all this, how we process the struggles that we endure is really, really important because how we process them will determine how they actually affect us. Will tough times crush us? You know, will good times make us egotistical? Will boring times numb us? And what does this all say about our spiritual condition? And the Bible has a lot to say on this subject. I just wanted to take the example of Abraham again, who's shown in Hebrews 11 as one of these faithful examples. And, you know, he left his home. So he left where he was from. And he went to this really foreign land, which, you know, was different. And he didn't know anyone. And when you left your family in that um, context, it was actually quite dangerous because um, you didn't have anyone to rely on. He was also a farmer. So he worked the land or he worked some cattle, uh, which was hard work and required a lot of effort. And then Sarah fell pregnant. And the risk of dying through childbirth was quite high in those years. Uh, then, obviously, Isaac was born. And for the first year, you know, that's a really stressful period in that, in that time period as well because um, uh, child mortality was very high. And then there was also the constant threat of Abraham having his uh, property or lands raided and people kind of uh, marauding in. So when you look at his life like that, uh, and it's hard to think anything but, wow, you know, this guy is a bit of a pinnacle of faith. If we really think about our lives and what they went through and the type of environment they had to endure, it's, it's remarkable that at the least they survived, but let alone did they remain faithful to God. And on the surface, the way Hebrews 11 talks about these people of faith, it's almost like it seems that they're being glorified, you know. 
um, as if the Bible is saying, wow, they live these amazing lives. And when we compare their faith to ours, it's easy to, easy to actually feel a level of inferiority, almost like I'm not as faithful as they are. And then we can take that a step further. You know, We compare where the, the period of time that they lived and the comforts that they had versus how we sort of survive in the 21st century. And it's easy, even easier to see how um, our lives live in comparison and, and yet we don't seem to be doing things like reading our Bibles or we're not praying enough or we're not doing these righteous things and, and living in the way um, that, that we should be. You know, our life sort of seems a bit tepid. Um, we compare themselves to these people and, and we know that we don't hit the mark. Our lives seem to be a lot less righteous or faithful than theirs. And the passage appears to, appears to crush us and leave us actually without hope. How can we possibly lead a life like these witnesses of faith? You know, uh, how can we endure like them when we, we seem to fail at every turn? You know, we're, we're just not up to the, the the standard that they are. And reading these passages, it makes us feel lost and unworthy, not really lifted up. And then all of a sudden, you move into um, Hebrews twelve after Hebrews eleven, and the author tells us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He says to run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And then he says, in our struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding our blood. Um, And we read this and we reflect on our lives and we think, wow, we're just not there. We're just not hitting that mark, you know. How do we actually hit this benchmark that God seems to be setting for us? How do we... How do we balance the tough times in our life and being faithful to God during it? And this crushes me a bit, you know, when I read this passage. I feel like I'm not doing any of it at all, particularly in lockdown. Uh, and I know that there are others that hear this and they think, yeah, I'm just not aiming up. These passages make us feel like a failure, particularly because if you're anything like me, you don't feel very godly when tough times actually happen you don't feel like you endure tough times well. You know, we often don't feel like we're throwing off the sin that entangles us. And in fact, when tough times happen, we feel like we're in a pattern of sin that continues and repeats itself. You know, we don't feel like we focus on Jesus enough in our walk. And in tough times, many of us struggle to do the basic things like prayer and Bible reading. And, you know, we read about other Christians in other countries who die for their faith. And yet many of our friends and family, when we're going through tough times, they look at us and, they can't quite see whether we're Christian or not. It makes us feel like a failure and it makes us feel like a fraud. And even though it, it sort of crushes us with its expectations, we read this passage and it speaks so upbeat and positively. And we go, why? Why is it talking like that? I think I actually have an answer to this and it has something to do with and it has to do with something that we believe and feel without actually necessarily realizing it. And it's because there is a lie that we actually believe about Christianity. And that lie says that when you believe in God it's easy. And once you believe in God, life will be made easy for you and that there are no consequences to you being a Christian and that nothing bad ever happens to you when you're a Christian. And if bad things happen to you then it's because you're not being faithful enough. And if you don't lead a life like the people in Hebrews 11, then you're not trying hard enough and that there is nothing stopping you from actually being a good Christian. So when things go wrong in our lives, we feel it's because something is wrong with us, like we're not the good Christian. And because of that, we then believe a second lie. And that is that the the quality of our faith, not the object of our faith, justifies us. 
And what I mean by that is that what we do matters more than actually what we believe in. See, we begin to think of faith like a daily checklist. Uh, you've got to read your Bible every day. You've got to pray every day a certain amount of hours. Um, you have to have a quiet time. Uh, you have to attend church each week. You can't be grumpy or feel negative. Uh, and if bad things do happen to you, then it's because you're not being godly enough and God is teaching you a lesson. And if we don't tick every single one of these boxes every day, then we're not being faithful and we're not being good Christians. These two lies together have a very powerful effect on our relationship with God, when hard, especially when the hard times come around. Because when something bad happens, we begin to think, this is my fault. I'm being punished. And, and it's this line of thinking that crushes us. It makes us feel awful. And this way of thinking is very easy to fall into and it's very easy to actually remain in. It becomes a rut. And I bet that a lot of people are actually thinking like this at the moment. So when you have an extended period where bad things are happening or tough times have come, like when you've been stuck in a lockdown for 11 weeks or we can't be in a community together, uh, we can't see our family or we've, we've lost our job, we feel like we're failing as Christians. We feel like we're failing because we're succumbing to sin, not reading our Bibles enough and, or we're addicted to our phones and not using the time wisely in prayer or any number of other things. So we read this passage and it defeats us. But the author of Hebrews offers us a different way to think about this. What he actually wants to teach us is that, yes, life is hard. Yes, enduring is actually hard. But enduring actually has a purpose. And it has meaning and it has a reason. And when you understand that, then it completely transforms the way that you see what happens in your life. See, the author of Hebrews begins to discuss in verses 5 to 7 a very interesting concept. He asks us whether we have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses us as a father addresses a son. And what he's starting to do here is he's actually starting to frame the challenges we endure in our life as part of our relationship with God. And he places it in the language of a parent with a child. He, he tells us to not lose heart when he rebukes you and that he disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son. He then encourages us to endure hardship as discipline since God is treating us as his children. And this seems really difficult to actually understand. You know, why would these tough times happening in our life be part of God's plan for us? You know, why would God want us to actually endure a pandemic? Why would God want us to endure events where a child is sick or we're losing a job or a relationship is breaking down or we're feeling isolated or separated from family and friends? You know? How is this even the type of thing that a good God does? And a key to this is remembering that all through the Old Testament, God often refers to himself as the father of Israel and Israel as his son. We see it in Isaiah where um, Isaiah writes, You are our father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from old is your name. This relationship is alluded to in other places. You know, it's, it's littered through the Bible. Um, and in each of these cases, the underlying theme is that God is the father of Israel. He has chosen the Israelites as his children. And because he has done that, he will redeem them in spite of their sinfulness. His fatherhood is expressed in that covenant context and would make no sense actually apart from it. And as we know, through the, the narrative of the Bible, we see time and again, God disciplines his people Israel in a bid to draw them back to him. 
He uses his discipline to get them to see that he is their God and they are his people. It's a call. It's a call to remember who he is and who they are in the relationship. And this is this call, it's it's actually not unlike our relationship with our fathers. You know, what do fathers do? They discipline their children. Not because they enjoy it, but because it's the best, it's in the best interest of the child. And the reason discipline is in the best interest of the child is because when we're children, we actually don't know how to behave like an adult. And our fathers play a big role in raising us to become responsible adults. So when a child misbehaves, the father is supposed to identify that misbehavior, then give consequences and penance to repair the damage that they've actually done. And this discipline is done to make the child grow up to be a responsible adult. In the same way, Hebrews tells us that God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Why? Because later on it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The question is, how does enduring these tough times help us in our journey of holiness and righteousness? It's a good question. See, just like God disciplined Israel through their history as a means of calling them back to focus on him, so too God disciplines us to draw him to draw us back to, to focusing on him. See, the purpose of enduring through tough times uh, that we face is not to try and just struggle on and grin and bear it and get through unscathed. No, no, no. The, the purpose of enduring these tough times is to use them to discover more about ourself in relation to God. And I know that seems a little bit crazy, so let me explain. Back in May, um, I left the job to start my own consulting business, and this was actually a little bit of a big risk because, um, you know, starting a business is, is difficult. But I managed to secure a number of clients, and after examining all the challenges that I might face, I believed that I could make it succeed, so I tried. And things started off really well. The first six weeks were great. Um, got off to a good start, things were progressing, everything was happening as it should have. And then as we all know, lockdown hit about late July. And my industry in particular was hit hard. Much of it was shut down or it went into survival mode. And since that period, it's been difficult for me to actually fulfill my obligations to my clients. Uh, Finally, after the months of the lockdown continuing, one, one of my clients is no longer able to retain my services and the contract has to be closed. This is now going to force me back into finding new employment and I'll have to put on hold my business because it just can't sustain me. And I don't tell this story because I I want a pity party or anything, you know. I am absolutely 100% certain that there are other people listening to this that have gone through similar things or worse. Um, And and it's all because of lockdown. But what I discovered about myself is that I had begun to believe that I was the one responsible for my future. That I was the provider and that I was the one that was making these big breaks in my life. I'd begun to believe that I was in control of my life and was able to make things happen, so to speak. And the truth of this, I'm not. I'm not in control of my life. I'm not able to provide myself with job security and a financial future I can rely on because no one can. I'd forgotten that God was my provider. I'd forgotten that what Jesus had said in Matthew 6 when he, write, uh, when he says, uh, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I had let the belief that I was the Lord of my life take hold of my heart, and, that, and what God did is he used these events to discipline me, and he said, No, Drew, you're not. And I needed that. I needed that because... If I kept believing that I was the Lord in my life, 
it would have impacted my relationship with God. And I needed to repent of this lie and once again recognize that God is the Lord in my life and he is the one that feeds me. I needed to remember that I can be as talented and do my job as well as I did, but the truth is that God is the only one who knows the future and I have to trust in his direction that he has plotted for me. And that lesson, that need to reflect on what is going on in your life so you can understand what God is trying to gently whisper to you about, that is the point of enduring. That is the purpose. God wants to refine us through our suffering so we will run with perseverance, the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. The witnesses we read about in Hebrews 11 aren't there to condemn us and make us feel inferior. No, they're there to encourage us to see that it is actually possible to fix your eyes on Jesus through the suffering and use it to be refined in God's glory. Uh, there's a great story um, that I read once about a lady who was listening to a sermon on Isaiah. And it was the, the passage about how God was going to refine them like gold. And she, she didn't understand the, the imagery. And so she went to a metallurgist to ask if they could show her how that worked. And he, he agreed and he brought her into the workshop and he sat her down. And what he did is he had the furnace on one side and he had a hammer on the other and he picked up a piece of ore and he put it into the furnace. And after it had been burning there for a while, he pulled it out with the tongs and he got the hammer and he beat it. And what came out was dross which is the impurity in the ore. And then after the ore got a little bit cold, he put it back in the furnace and then he repeated the process over and over and over again. And what happened is eventually the lady watched as the man beat all the dross out of the ore and all that was left was pure gold. We are being refined like that piece of ore. It is a violent process, but the result is that we become more beautiful and valuable than we could ever have imagined. Our suffering has purpose. And I know at this point that is an incredibly difficult truth to comprehend when we are hurting. And it is a fair question to actually ask. How do we actually get through these tough times? And the author of Hebrews answers this question in verse 13 when he says, Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Now, what does that mean? One of the reasons I took care to mention Hebrews 11 is that it helps us better understand what Hebrews 12 means, but in particular verse 13. And what the author is trying to do is say that those who come before us can give insight on how we are to endure. The reason Hebrews 11 is so helpful for us to read is not, that, not so that we glorify these people as some sort of rock stars. No, it's, it's actually helpful reading through their life and learning how they actually endured and worshipped God despite their own sinfulness and suffering. It's being able to sit down and look at what Abraham did in his life, seeing where he failed, but then using that insight to apply it to our own lives and how we can then come and be in relationship with God. And this is what the author of Hebrews means when he writes, make level paths for your feet so that the lane may not be disabled, but rather healed. There is a, a collective sense in how this is actually being written, meaning that the others in the Christian, others in the Christian community are helping those struggling by showing them a level path for their feet. You know, think about it. If you're actually struggling with a particular sin or struggling to endure through a really difficult time, it's much easier to actually get through that struggle if you're actually doing it with someone else. And it's even easier if you're helped and guided by someone who's actually gone through something similar to what you've gone through before. And this truly is the purpose of Christian community. It is to share our lives with one another and help each other through the difficulties that we may face. It's a lot like Stu's shock absorber theory, uh, instead of our young gen younger generation developing innovative ways of engaging with culture and our older generation applying their wisdom to the, the ideas, 
we can think of it a bit like our struggling brothers and sisters trying to find a level path for their feet and our brothers and sisters who have experienced these challenges helping to guide them towards that level path. A really easy example of where this happens in life is in apprenticeship. When young apprentices work with an older tradesman, they teach them how to do their job because of the experience that they've actually gained through their years. And the things they're teaching them aren't just the technicalities of how to do the job, but the techniques that only someone can learn after years and years of doing the job. And in the same way, the other Christians in our life have the chance to speak into the experiences that we are having and give insight on how they got through it, what it taught them and how it drew them even closer to God. What they can tell you will help you to reflect on the challenges you are facing in your life and better understand what God is teaching you through them. They can help you to use what you're enduring to draw closer to God. And I know that as I say that, many of you, many who are probably going through a really rough time must be thinking, how? How can I use the pain I'm in to draw closer to God? You know, I'm barely functioning here. How can this be the answer? And my answer to that is, you need to see the one who walked before you and is with you in the darkest of times. Jesus Christ was a man of suffering. Isaiah 53 tells us he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He spent years enduring the, enduring the scrutiny of his peers and of the religious authorities. He suffered the embarrassment of being run out of towns by people who made fun of him. He spent his life poor and in the days of ministry lived off the charity of others without a dollar to his name. He was captured by the religious elite and tried in an unjust and corrupt court for preaching against their tyranny. His friends abandoned him and his best mate denied him. He was hung like a criminal and between two criminals and then suffered death on a cross. Nude for all to see. And as he breathed his last, his own father turned his face away from him before the injustice of all humanity was paid with his life. Of all the people in the world who understands the pain you suffer, Jesus Christ is the one. He was disciplined by his father so that we could become children of God. He endured faithfully for our sake so that we could have the harvest of righteousness and peace. The more we understand the discipline and suffering Jesus went through, the more we realize that we have someone in our corner when we are really, truly suffering. It's when we're able to understand that Jesus knows what we're going through, has gone through what we're going through and more, that we're able to cry out to him and draw closer because of all of a sudden we know that we have a God who says, I see your pain. And I know, and I went through hell and back to get there. But it's when you realize that he went through that pain and suffering for you, that he endured faithfully to get you, oh my, when you understand that, that's when everything actually changes. Because all of a sudden you realize that it isn't the quality of your faith that matters, but the object of your faith. And you've been able to sense on, you'll be able to sense on your heart that what you're going through isn't designed to crush you, but bring you in deeper and deeper into a relationship with a God that loves you. Enduring through tough times isn't about getting through it. It's about using it as an opportunity to cry out to your dad like a child and having the sense of being wrapped up in his arms. And John tells us that what our dad will do for us when he writes in Revelation, he will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's the type of father that we have. 
Before I finish, I wanted to leave you with two things to help you with this. The first is use your map and the second is walk together. Now, what do I mean by use your map? Reading the Bible isn't about getting some set of rules or pump up to help you in your life. It's a story with real people and real experiences. You can cry with Rebecca, rejoice with Paul, mourn with Mary and be humbled with David. These are real stories of real people who have endured many difficult and traumatic experiences just like what we go through. Read their stories. Learn how they use their suffering to draw closer to God. There is no greater roadmap for enduring challenging times and seeing those who have, who have in the Bible. And the second is walk together. I know that lockdown has made community really, really hard. Uh, but we live in a society where connecting with someone across the planet is actually possible. Reach out to people. Listen to them. Learn from them. Use the connections in this church to find people who have gone through difficult times like what you're experiencing and talk to them. I can guarantee you that anything you are going through right now has been experienced by someone else. And when you talk to them, you will feel less alone and less defeated and you will learn how they use their suffering to draw closer to God. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you knowing that life is really difficult, but we want to use these experiences to draw closer to you. We want to endure faithfully, just like your son Jesus endured faithfully for our sake. Speak to us through these experiences and let us fall more and more in your arms. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Drew. Thanks for taking the time to prepare that sermon for us. My pleasure. Um, I wanted to see if we could kick off the discussion we call the post-sermon chat after um, after the sermon. Uh, about uh, Kick off the discussion talking about discipline. I thought that was really interesting. It's something that came out of your uh, sermon, which was, um, you know, you talked about you, to be healthy at the gym, you know, you need to keep going to the gym and it takes time and it takes discipline to actually um, see some changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also talked about enduring the pain but you need to endure the pain to get healthier. And I, I've always reflected, like, I think that anything of value only comes with consistency and discipline. So that's why I find discipline and actually a really fascinating subject. I'd love for both of you to answer. I might start with you, Drew. Is what does discipline mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think for me, it's probably one of the harder things in my life because... Um, Consistency is not one of my strengths um, and I have to own that. But I think the thing is, is uh, I once got told it takes you about 10,000 hours to do something professionally and there was a a guy who wrote a book about it and he he played golf every day and he got to 10,000 hours and then finally he's on the pro circuit. So there's actual truth in the the science of it. But I think that is a lot like... I think that applies to everything in our life. I think discipline and consistency and the more you do something, the more you you draw into whatever that is. And when it comes to your relationship with God, um, if you spend the amount of time with someone um, and it's, it's about 10,000 hours, let's just use that, that figure, the more you draw close to them, the more you know them. And I think the discipline, spiritual disciplines are, are not some checklist thing that you, you're supposed to do just because that's what you do. But they're actually about the relationship. Um, and one of the things that clicked over in my brain uh, a few years ago, uh, and you hear it all the time, they, Christians talk about it, it's not religion, it's relationship. 
And everyone kind of nods and goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's what mm. it is. But it's not until you're actually in a relationship that you begin to go, ah, oh, actually, my eyes, are, my eyes are opened. And I think the, dis- the spiritual disciplines are actually about committing to the relationship. Um, I mean, if, if you think about it, if you're married to your spouse and you spend no time with them, and do you even know them? You know, you, you might be married to them, but you're actually not. You don't know who they are, but the more you work at the relationship um, and the more time you spend them, the more you get to know them, which is why there's these marvellous marriages um, that have gone on for years and you, you watch them and these people know each other and they, they can almost finish their sentences um, and they meld a little bit. And I think that's the type of relationship God wants with us where we become closer and closer to him and more like his son just through the consistency of the relationship we have, have with him. I think that's where the discipline comes in. Yeah, I think it, talking about um, discipline and uh, craft and 10,000 hours is really interesting. Like um, I know that Da Vinci, for example, is like 14 years old and the son of uh, uh, an illegitimate son of someone, so he was cast aside. And then he, they found him painting these amazing landscapes and he painted it for ages. And then because he'd spent so much time on it, that's when his brain opened up and he was able to do the flying machine and the sculptures mm. and all that kind of thing. So I think the 10,000 hours concept of disciplining yourself for that long is really interesting. Tim, what do you, what do you think about discipline? Yeah, well, I'm not inventing any flying machines, um, <laughs> but no, I agree that it is about that practice and it's one of those things that um, we, we talk about all the time as a family. Um, we, uh, both Roz and I, are perfectionists um, mm-hmm. in our tendencies. We, we tend to... Um, get frustrated when we're not perfect at something first go. Um, and it's an unfortunate trait that we have passed on to our kids as well, that they can get upset. Um, and I have this conversation with particularly Zali uh, regularly where she can't do something first go. Um, and my constant encouragement is, of course not. Of course you can't. Um, you need to practice it. Um, and the, you know, the little uh, joke that I have with her is, you well, can you put your undies on? <laughs> of course I can put my undies on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, because you put them on every day. Like you, you mm-hmm. could do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And it was something that, you know, there was a time when you couldn't um, uh, and now you can um, competently because uh, it is uh, something that you do regularly. And so, um, you know, it comes with anything, any task we want to achieve, um, any relationship we want to do. It's something that we do regularly and um, the discipline of putting something into practice regularly um, whether it be a practical habit like um, you know uh, journaling or write, doing a musical instrument mm. or you know if, if writing is important to you writing you know for 10 minutes every day or if you want to learn how to run you know you're doing the, the couch to 5k a couple of times a week or whatever it is like you you put those moments in and it does actually bring results um and uh, like Drew's right, it's when we talk about relationships, uh, they are they're not just routines, and yet there are routines that help us mm. in those relationships as well. Uh, so, you know, I don't have to say I love you every day to Roz. I don't have to give her a kiss every day, but those little routines and remembering to do them, um, is not because it's a chore, but because I actually want to. I actually truly desire to express those things in those particular ways um, and so when God calls us to do spiritual um, disciplines um, and to put effort into those things uh, it's not um, it, it's not opposed to uh, our relationship and that's where I think that whole oh, it's a relationship and it's not a religion we can draw drive that wedge too far 
and say, oh, therefore, you don't do any of those religious things. But actually, God gives us as a good gift those religious things. He, he loves it when we read regularly, when we pray regularly, when we journal, when we um, spend time with others, when we make the effort to uh, sit on the couch and watch at the same time every Sunday, even though it's hard in lockdown to be consistent with our you know, watching the digital service or when we come back to come and meet regularly together, it's hard and, and it does mm. require discipline. Mm. But it's actually that discipline which is shaping us um, and it's forming us and it, it helps fuel the relationship we have with God and with each other. Yeah, I just found um, while you were uh, doing your sermon then, Drew, I found a quote from Abraham Lincoln which says, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most, which I thought was pretty cool. And mm. if we do... If we are, if the object of our faith is God, then um, it's interesting what we will pursue. I was thinking, though, also with discipline, which and I, and I loved your responses to that, both of you guys. Why? I feel like I think would say that we've been made to be disciplined, like you're saying, and sin gets in the way. But why? Why does the world tempt us not to be disciplined? Like, what? What does it? What does the world gain from us not being disciplined in our faith with God? Oh gosh, gosh, gosh. That's a, such a cool question. How long have I got to respond to that? Oh, well, as long um, as we can edit it. Yeah. <laughs> Six hours later. Yeah. Um, I think that... It's the Garden of Eden all over again, mm. in a way. Um, I think it's the whisper in the ear of, you don't have to do that. You know, you could do this as do well, and this easier. is yeah, this is easier, or mm. this is just as good. And I think that that is the the subtle lie is that there are things that are equally as good, um, and that that is also I think a bit of an offence of the gospel is is it, it it says no 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 this is the primary good everything else might be good mm. per se but this is the primary good, and I think that's why the the world tempts us in that way. Because I think um, it likes to think that it is the Lord of its of its future, and I think that is the that is the safe that that's the, the safe sort of place that people who aren't Christians sort of fall back to is that oh I can do it myself, and the, the truth is you can't. There's no um, there's no certainty in in any of the decisions you make. You know, there's no. Yeah, it's it's a bit hard to describe, but basically what I think is that it, they tempt us because at some level, if we can be shown to come to what their truth is, um, <laughs> it validates them a little bit, and that's the that's the, the thing. So it's it's a bit hard because I think we all want to you know acknowledge other people's perspectives in, in life, but there at some point needs to be an objective truth to that. Um, and that's why I think that we kind of get tempted. I think it's true. And, it, and it's trying to draw us away from, you talked about the running that race of perseverance mm. too. And, the, and, and God says that like the point of suffering is to be refined and to be sanctified. Um, I love that story that you talked about. The, the, is it metallurgist? Is that how yeah. you say it? Okay. Yeah. And like, so he's taking it, heating up the ore, taking out and smashing it, right? And you're talking about the impurities being beaten out of us. It was such a great uh, illustration of what God's doing to us, is that when we experience suffering, we're having the, we're having the, uh, the impurities basically beaten out of us. And as long as we trust him, we know that he's refining us. And mm. to be something much more... Um, 
what's the right word, much more precious, um, which was, I, I really enjoyed that um, analogy. But not just um, God that we have to lean on, but we also have a church community to lean on. And I, I really liked how you said that as well. Um, Tim, my question to you, final question, so you don't have to answer too many things. Um, but can we talk a little bit about how a community, a Jesus-shaped community, refines us as Christians? Yeah. Well, even, again, even an example for yourself. Uh, again, how long have we got? Um, <laughs> we can edit. <laughs> uh, we, God has made us to be in relationship. Um, and so he build, intentionally builds us together to refine each other as one of the primary ways in which he's, he's made us to um, exist. Uh, and so, uh, look, how does it work best? It, it, it works best when we are in relationship with each other, when we're actually gathering together. Now, again, it could be a digital thing like I spoke about earlier. We can still be formed over digital mediums. Um, part of it, it has to be we need to be wanting and willing to be shaped and therefore um, we need to be honest with each other. Um, there was uh, th- this week was Are You Okay Day, um, and one of my friends um, put up this kind of you know, mock conversation um, of you know me, how are you going? How are you going? And then you know, reply, fine, thanks. Me again, no, how are you going? <laughs> and then reply, well, actually, and then mm. yeah, and it's kind of that is a as a model kind of conversation, and I think. That kind of, you know, are you okay kind of idea and just bringing that into the church and spiritual things in that we don't just stay surface. So when uh, I say to Drew, you know, how's it going with the family? Um, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it was all good. Uh, and then we change topics. Um, that's really surface and we're not going to be able to shape each other if that's the level of conversation that we're having. Um, but if we're willing to be vulnerable with each other, uh, and he shares, well, actually, this week was hard because X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah, this week was hard for me. And then we're able to share it with each other. Um, and I think that's really lovely when we can um, be that vulnerable with each other, knowing that we're in safe relationships that we're not going to be taken advantage of. Um, and so we can say, oh, you know, can you please pray for me for this? Um, and then check up on each other for that. Um, so, I mean, this just a few weeks back um, – uh, in the staff chat, you know, I, I just mentioned, oh, yeah, yeah, pretty snowed under with tasks. Um, and, yeah, the usual people you know, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, praying for you, all that kind of stuff, as you expect, which is great. Um, but then actually a couple of days later, or the next time I saw you, Joel, you then asked, oh, you were having a really snowed under week. Oh. How did that go? Uh, and so there was just a small thing, but it was showing that you actually genuinely want me to Grow. Uh, you've yeah, shared with me some of the ways that you do tasks and the way you keep yourself <laughs> accountable to your workflow. And yeah. but they're the kind of things like it, it seems trivial, but it's it's the genuine relationship that mm. we have, um, the friendship that we have, um, that we're genuinely seeking the best for each other in those things. And so, a Jesus-shaped community, when we come together, we are genuinely wanting the best for each other, which is to grow in our knowledge, love, and obedience to the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so if I genuinely want that for Drew and you genuinely want that for me, then when we come together, it's not going to be surface level. It's, it's going to be real. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the things I think that we do well uh, as a church, again, in, in non-lockdown times, is the meals that we have together because you can't stay 
at surface level when you're sitting down with someone for uh, more than a couple of minutes. I think some, you know, some psychologist did a study that is around the six-minute mark. Um, if, you, if you haven't gone deep within six minutes, you either go deep or you change the conversation mm. to someone else. Yeah. Um, and so by sitting down with a meal, having to have at least 15, 20 minutes with someone forces you to go deep. And so we have a great opportunity regularly as a church to be that Jesus-shaped community that is shaping each other and getting to real deep conversations. Um, and from what I've seen, uh, I've certainly benefited from that and I see a lot of other people benefiting from that as well. Yeah, fantastic. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate also your guys' wisdom that's sharing it with us today. Um, uh, what you made me think of there, Tim, what you were saying was um, uh, one of the uh, uh, verses that we really value here at Sorovol, which is Matthew 22, uh, 37 to 40, which says... Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I hope the Drew Sermon has been encouraging to you and um, I hope that uh, you, you guys tuning in have been a great encouragement to us. So we'll continue to do that and uh, we'll be back right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with my two good friends. One of them is Tim. How are you, Tim? Oh, I'm doing very well. And of course, Mr. Lionel. How are you? Good. Hello, everybody. Hi, Hi Tim. Hi, Joe. Hi. How have you been? Great. How are you? Great. Oh, good because I get to see you again. Always a good day. <laughs> Always a good day when it's a Lionel day. <laughs> yep. Every day should be Lionel day. <laughs> Lionel day sounds like someone's name. Well, could be. Could be. You don't don't want to reveal anything. <laughs> you don't know any Lionel days? Maybe. Oh, long lost cousin. Yep, from Europe. <laughs> Oops, out of the bag. <laughs> from Europe, eh? Europe's a big place. I don't think we've um, outed them too much. No. Well, they're almost out of lockdown. Or they are. I don't know. Some, some countries are, I've seen. Yeah, they're, yep. they're, they're having a real crack at it. Now, uh, Lionel, if you wanted to go to Europe, because you can't really leave Australia at the moment, how would you get there? I can. UPS. (laughs) (laughs) Is it hard to fit into the UPS packages? No, watch. Interesting how you use the the US Postal Service to go across the... FedEx. That's a movie, isn't it? FedEx is a movie? Yeah, that one when that guy's on the island. Oh, Oh, Castaway. Castaway. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is he on a FedEx plane, is he? Hi. Hi. I was marooned on an island for five years with this package. And I swore that I would deliver it to you because I work for FedEx. That's very admirable. So you would get, you would, uh, do you have to practice to get yourself into those small packages when you get sent somewhere, Lionel? No, just comes naturally. Does it? Yes. What kind of things do you have to practice, though? Um, I'm trying to learn how to play the keyboard. Are you? The yep. keyboard? What songs are you learning? Um, I'm trying to play... All Night Long by Lionel Richie. How'd you guess? Because <laughs> uh, you, you've I've heard a good rendition of uh, All Night Lionel. I changed the words. Yeah. Because Lionel, he's related to you too, isn't he? Yep. But yeah. I say, all night, Lionel. All Lionel, night. Lionel. Yeah. All night. But it's hard. I've only got four fingers. Oh. On well, the three and a thumb. Yeah. So is it, is it harder to learn? Yep. So do you have to do even more practice? Yep. But I don't like to practice. Why? Boring. It's boring. Yep. Do you think practice is boring, Tim? Oh, look, it can be sometimes, yeah. If uh, we're working hard at something, um, it can be a bit boring. But uh, it's also, it can be worth it as well, can't it, Lionel? Like you you can in, uh, enjoy playing afterwards. If you've got a piece that you have practiced and you can now play well. Mary had a little lamb. Oh, Her fleece good. was green like mine. That's a great song. I like that version. Chopsticks. <laughs> you do chopsticks? Can't use them. Yeah. Oh, can you play them? Like the, like drums? No, like on the keyboard. Ah, no, haven't tried. Okay, Mary had a little lamb. Is the, is the only one. Yep. Yeah. Right. But it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You, the, when we have to practice and discipline. We were just talking with uh, Drew earlier about how we discipline. Uh, discipline is something that we have to practice at and, and go and work hard at um and over and over and over do over and over and over like learning mary had a little lamb or all night lionel Mm. yeah or kung fu tim or kung fu that's right yeah that should be a movie kung fu tim kung fu tim yeah yep coming soon to a theater near you is it uh no oh yeah um but it should be yeah if someone wants to uh put up the funds for it we can i reckon we could organize that 
Kung Fu Funs. Yeah, Kung Fu Funs oh, Kung it. Fu Tim. Um, but the idea of endurance is exactly what we've talked about already with Ju earlier uh, today. And that idea that we endure, we continue to go through and persevere and work hard at something over and over and over again. And it's like you trying to learn all night Lionel on the keyboard. You, it, sometimes it can be uh, boring to work at a pass over and over and over again. Frustrating. It can be frustrating. Yeah. But when you get it, uh, when you actually achieve playing all night Lionel, uh, then I think you'll be really proud of yourself. Well, I'm going to keep practicing. I'm going to go practice now. That's a good thing. Uh, but when it comes to uh, our Christian life, it's the same thing. And this is what we've just been talking about, that we can practice reading the Bible. We can practice praying, meeting with each other, asking each other really helpful questions. These are the ways, uh, Ro- uh, sorry, not Romans, Hebrews talks about uh, running the race with perseverance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how we can kind of remember to be working hard at the Christian life. Life, knowing that Jesus has actually done it before us and that we're doing it with him. Lionel, do you know what perseverance means? Taking time to do something hard. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And Keep and going. Keep going. Keep going. So Just gets, keep swimming. So when it's, it's getting frustrating that you can't do sing or can't play all night Lionel and you can't play Mary Had a Little Lamb, what did, when you learnt Mary Had a Little Lamb, did you keep going or did you stop? No, I kept going. Yeah, I think that's our encouragement, right? Is to keep going, even though it's hard. You've got to keep going because that's what Jesus and um, encourages us to do. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, Yay! I love it. Well, Lionel, I look forward to hearing your rendition of All Night Lionel. Me so, too. So it's probably time to say goodbye now, and then um, goodbye. Hopefully, you uh, can bring us the the film clip later. Tim's one. No, yeah, well, the, yeah, the, the trailer <laughs> of his um, Kung Fu Kung movie. Fu Tim. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, Hwa, oh, on. Kung Hwa. Fu Tim with the soundtrack by Lionel. Oh, that would be interesting. Someone's mm. definitely going to put up the funds for that, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Double Webby. Woohoo. Pay for it with Lionel coin. Oh, paid by Lionel coin. It's taking off. First ever movie funded by cryptocurrency. Got to be a first for everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And the first of everything will also be to finish this segment. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Bye! Uh, We're back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that segment with Lionel, because I always do. Uh, We're back here on the panel just to see see you off on on this voyage (laughs) we've been on. Um, Just a couple of announcements to make. Uh, First of all is uh, we'd like to, we're we're trying to put out lots of content that's going to be valuable to you. So obviously you're watching the church gathering, which is great. We also have the Shock Absorber podcast where currently Tim and myself and Stu Crawshaw are breaking down the four views of youth ministry and how to engage young people in terms of the intergenerational model, which has been really fascinating, really fun. I really valued uh, Tim's contributions to that. So if you want to hear it, make sure you listen to it. And we also have the Chip Lunch podcast, uh, which is uh, the latest episode is with Bev Crawshaw. So uh, last week we had our youngest ever uh, participant and now we've got our almost our oldest ever participant. I think she's just slightly older than Daniel. And um, <laughs> we'll, uh, what we're talking about on Chip Lunch is what it's like growing up as a Christian and what your experience has been and the people that we've had on. And it's been really fascinating to learn uh, just from different people what's been going on. Having said that, also what we have is the uh, afternoon tea and prayer. Afternoon tea and prayer, is that what we call it? It sounds like afternoon tea and prayer. 
uh, or just have a cup of tea with someone. Uh, it's 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, that's on the Zoom, and that will be in the, the details all on that on the newsletter. Um, we also have a planning day coming up, which is on next Saturday. So all the details of that will be in the newsletter as well, so you can jump on. We'll be doing that on our computers, unfortunately, not in uh, person just yet. Um, but we will be talking of a way out. We've had a lot of uh, things being announced by the New South Wales government, and we're going to talk about how we're going to move out of that as a church. Um, guys, anything else you want to finish up with? I did a lot of talking right then. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing else in particular. Um, yeah, really enjoying uh, creating the content that it's going out. So hoping that is being helpful for people. And we'd love to hear back from you as well. If you have um, on these gatherings, uh, it's great to see some of the comments on Facebook and YouTube as they go live. But um, be great as a pastoral team for you to let us know how these things are going. And if you are watching the Shock Absorber podcast or listening to them. Uh, if you're listening to uh, Daniel Darvell or Bev Croshaw on the um, Chip Lunch, it'd be great to feedback to them as well and see how they're encouraging to you. Mm, awesome. Drew, uh, here, I'll put you on the spot. Have you been listening to our podcast? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we don't know for sure. But uh, what we do know for sure is Jesus it changes everything. And so as we always like to finish up with... Uh, our services we're going to finish up with a one way one way